0: Thanks everyone for joining us for yet another podcast with uh, Naki Noki's Startup Life. Um, It's been a little bit of a hiatus since our last podcast. We've been busy at work producing uh, a bunch of samples for the Future of Food, uh, which was a local event that we had, as well as for um, a a box uh, uh, company here, Good Food Brands. So... It's been very uh, busy, very exciting time for us because that's uh, a couple of new channels. And actually I'd love to uh, introduce you all to Amy Andes who is a partner of ours actually. Uh, If you've had the bonzo butter uh, that was in both of those sample packs and also on our website now. Um, Amy is the face and the the person behind bonzo butter. So uh, Amy, thanks for being with us today. I'd love to start it off by maybe telling everyone kind of the the premise or the background to Bonzo Butter. Um, It's a very unusual product. I know some people may have picked it up and just gone like, what's garbanzo-based bean butter? What's the deal with that? So I'd love for you to kind of maybe uh, tell us a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah, so I'm super excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me on this. Um, So our little company, Bonzo Brands, formerly known as Spark Snacks, Um, started when I was in grad school. And I was um, in grad school for four years doing my PhD in food science. And so um, about my second year in, I got bit by the entrepreneur bug. And after um, working with like a different group of students on a product development competition, I was like super excited to get into my kitchen and start creating my own um, innovations. And so that's where bonzo butter came out of, which is, if you don't know, a garbanzo bean spread that's similar to nut butter in texture and taste, but obviously does not have any nuts and is free of the top 14 food allergens, which is one of our big things that we um, showcase. And we like to, Make sure that there's a space for people with dietary restrictions um, in in all conversations. And hoping, what we're doing is we're hoping to bring uh, more snack foods to um, the market that more people can eat.
0: Yeah, that's that's awesome. And I personally have an experience with this as well. There was one time we had cooked um, a Japanese uh, curry for um, family members. You know, a family that we were visiting and a family member had a uh had a, a nut allergy and i don't you know it wasn't labeled on the product at all we looked at all the labels it wasn't on the product but for whatever reason it did trigger an um aller, uh, allergen response from her and we had to use an EpiPen uh, at that point that kind of traumatized me a little bit and made me want to make sure that i checked the labels you know
1: mhm yeah it, it's a very scary experience and it happens really quickly um, and so hopefully you know people with dietary restrictions can enjoy our snack foods without concern of um, having to use their EpiPen um, and then also they can you know not be not be excluded from a normal snacking situation um, where a lot of brands you know will will contain certain allergens and so you have to bring your own snack to a sleepover or to a birthday party. Um, we're hoping to make less of those situations.
0: Yeah, and, and I don't think uh, the majority of our listeners may know what the experience is like of never having tasted peanut butter or never having, you know, for my mother, she's got a shrimp allergy. She developed that later on in life, but, you know, there are others who ha- may have a shellfish allergy that never have had the experience of eating some shrimp that, you know, you might consider as normal so it's interesting as we start thinking about that food inclusivity you know identifying with people who may have a different uh, set of dietary restrictions than us and um, understanding where what they're going through and and their restrictions as well right so um, and I think you know that that dovetails really cleanly into um, you know right now if people pick up that sample we have a statement on the back unfortunately that says that this uh, product was produced in a shared uh, kitchen environment um, and we you know I'd love to talk a little bit more about that um, particularly because you know we had this one experience that we shared with you where uh, we were in our shared kitchen space and you know one day we we walked in um, and I like to clean down the three compartment sink before I start and I was in there I'm starting to see all the leftover nuts actually that were stuck at the bottom of the of the uh, of the sink and it no No, no, you know, no uh, calling. I'm not calling anyone out or that's not the point The point is it just happens in a naturally in a in a shared kitchen environment You know people are making different kinds of food products It's going to be residue from some of that stuff left in the shared um, in the shared uh, Equipment so, you know, we can't we can't fully uh, you know, you know, attain that that complete allergen free environment that we'd love to kind of cook in. And maybe you can speak to that as well. You you know, you're also producing in a shared kitchen environment. Like, do you run into that sort of issue as well?
1: Yes, we do. And I'm sure like every shared kitchen across the country does. Um, mm-hmm. And I know that that makes some people really nervous um, when approaching a new snack. And so basically, I started off Um, just in my kitchen, making my product. And obviously for like legal reasons, you can't really sell food out of your kitchen unless it's like a cottage food, um, which I, uh, bean butter was not on the list. So I assumed it was similar to nut butter, which is not legal to sell um, without going through a a kitchen that's licensed. And so we we found one, but before my search began for commercial kitchens, I was really, really intent on finding a kitchen that was free from the top 14 food allergens, which is like near impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it I spent a year and a half talking to people on and off. There were a handful that I still like remain in contact with because the only reason I couldn't use them is because it was too expensive for like a first trial run. Mm-hmm. Um, and so hopefully when I get my feet moving a little faster, um, they'd be able to produce my jars at a quicker Uh, pace like a co-packer would Um, but just to like get my idea out there I was told by so many different mentors like you got to stop sitting on it and you got to just commit to doing the commercial kitchen and so my, my biggest hesitations were were that like as a brand I wanted to make sure that we came across that like this is our mission is to be allergen friendly and we're not just another brand that's like putting that on our label like we actually care about it I'm a food scientist. I got um, a certification called PCQI, Preventive Controls Qualified Individual, in order to make sure that I was making the right allergen control plans for the commercial kitchen I'm using. And that's like a step that not a lot of people take. Um, and it's just one of the things that like keeps me up at night. So I, I just want to make sure we're doing the best we can. Um, so we started in a commercial kitchen. And one of the big things. Um, that was important to me is that the equipment that we needed to use that is shared, we clean very like religiously. Yep. Um, Obviously, we don't know what is going in that machine, maybe like the day before that, you know, people are using um, as well, since it's a shared kitchen, but we do limit, like we only really use one piece of equipment from mm. that facility. It really is just a place where we can make everything um we use our own bowls we keep them on our shelves um obviously with what you said about the the sink before you don't know how clean people were before you with the sink so we just try to do the best that we can Um, and then it's important for us to still put that disclaimer on our label um because we don't want people to be like this is free of the top 14 food allergens and then um them to get sick if if anything you know god forbid anything was um cross-contacted with our food Mm because obviously we're not putting it into it but there are so many different factors that can um affect our our final product so that's why we put it on the label i think it's the right thing to do um absolutely for for most brands honestly uh just you know, to be nice to the people that are reading the labels, especially, yep. I know a few of my friends have to like contact companies because if it's not on their label, they, they want to make sure before they eat it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just to save them some work, it's really just a nice thing to put it on the label. And then also other people, like if you're bringing some food to a party and you can see it on the label, um, yep. you know, that it can, It contains a certain allergen then you're not going to bring it to a party that has you know that your friend has bad peanut allergy um if there's peanuts listed so it's just helpful to have that labeling
0: and also you know something that you had mentioned to me uh when we were speaking about this uh previously completely organically not not for a podcast was you know there's different sensitivities that people have Some might be mild, some might be very, very severe. So putting this, um, you know, letting them make that risk-based decision by putting the statement on the packaging, I think that gives them the power, right? Gives the consumer the power to say, actually I've got a very severe allergy and I don't wanna take this chance versus I've got a more mild allergy as long as, you know, the, the equipment is clean and it's not declared on the label as an allergen that's present in the food, I can have that, you know, people with allergies know what their limits are, right? Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I think unless you're really new to having an allergy, which I, there's, I have a ton of friends who are just getting food allergies later in life. So that's obviously a trial. Um, But most people and their families know what their limit is. So, you know, for example, some people that I know are totally fine eating bonzo butter, they have the most severe nut allergies um, of anybody that I've met. And basically they just can't ingest peanuts. That's their limit, um, mm-hmm. but they could, if it says maybe produced in a facility with peanuts, um, they will take the chance and go for it. And I've mm-hmm. never gotten sick from it. However, there are other people that are more strict about that, which I totally respect because yes. I, why would you want to go into anaphylaxis? Right. Um, so I think that most people, like you said, know their limits and will ask certain questions to companies. And I think it's really important that companies know how to answer those questions. Yeah. Um, and it starts, it starts very early. It starts from ingredient sourcing, because yeah. if you're ingredient sourcing from, you know, a warehouse that has a ton of other food products in it, then that is where really it starts. Like your, your cross contact could start there right. um, and then it could go be uh, it could begin in your kitchen too it could be where you're shipping really every step of the process and a lot of people will ask those questions so it's important to have paperwork and really know who you're buying your ingredients from and where they're how they're storing their ingredients
0: yeah i know i I know regulators often get a bad rap but there's a reason why the fda asks us to do supplier controls right it's not it's not just so that they can have some extra paperwork to, to sit on it's it's because there's dangers in that supply chain and we need to make sure that we control that and buy from approved um, suppliers it's really interesting we can we can talk a little bit more i think about some of the um some of the controls that we have um to you know th- to put in place but before we do i just want to make that statement to anyone listening that we are aware of and want to get to a stage where we're completely allergen free that is our desire. That's our hope. If this takes off, you know, uh, Amy, if, you know, we start selling a lot of bonzo butter, I know that'll be the first thing that you'll do is like try and find that space that's that's completely allergen-free. For us, that would look like a private kitchen space so that we could actually kind of sequester our own equipment. By the way, that's another thing that, that just like you, we have our own equipment. Nobody else produces on it but us we you know bring it into a a private space and and we produce in there if we find any potential issues with the previous you know tenant who had been using it we wipe down so that day that we found that that particular issue we uh made sure we um, rinsed out all of the uh, the, um, the, uh, what do you call it? The uh, leftover material. Then we, you know, washed it down, wiped it down, made sure as you know, we could get it as clean as possible before we continued with our production process. And we hadn't even used the three compartment sink before that, because we do our inspection before. But, um, now getting to the next topic of like some other controls. One thing I know is you know making sure that your production equipment is either NSF rated or stainless steel so that it can actually be completely wiped down and clean and there's no like potential for any materials that might remain on that surface there's no like uh, what's i call it what's the word like some sort of absorption into the material that potentially could cause um contact again right
1: yeah um so i don't know too much about um equipment but i do know there are like certain pieces of equipment. Like I've tried to purchase a sifter Mm. um, and it is just so hard to clean that after you put like flour on it or something. And so if you're saying you're like gluten-free and then someone's sharing the sifter with you, like that's one equipment I just would not recommend sharing with people. Um, But there's other ones, you're right, that are like stainless steel and that are easily wipeable, not porous, that like they can't absorb, um, the the protein the food allergy proteins um, that are definitely less of a risk
0: yeah and and maybe it's also worth mentioning again for our uh, for our colleagues in the in the food industry that sanitizing is not the same as cleaning because I think that's you know for even for consumers sometimes there's a mixture there sanitizing kills uh, you know potentially inhibits bacteria but doesn't um, doesn't clear the surface of allergens right that's, Correct. I found yeah, out early. that's a good
1: that's a good distinction. Um, just like they say don't just put hand sanitizer on your hands, it won't kill covid. Like wash your hands with soap and water, do the same um, to protect it against cross contact. I actually wanted to mention really quickly so a lot of times I hear people like interuse the terminology cross contact um, and cross contamination. Right. Um, so I thought it could be a good teaching point Sweet. that cross contact is strictly about um, food allergens and so when we're talking about food allergens coming into contact with um with the food that you're preparing that would be cross contact and then cross contamination is more referencing um, bacteria and pathogens and so when something is cross contaminated you could get really sick um as in like a, a foodborne illness right
0: versus yeah and, and that blew my mind when i first started learning you know you, you talked about the pcqia one of the first things i did when we wanted to start this business was i did the uh, better process control school the pcqia I had the HACCP training uh, gmp's i did the whole slate mm-hmm. of them because i kind of wanted to know what it is i was getting my hands involved in i didn't want to potentially make somebody sick and one of the first things that they they talk about is biological uh versus like biological hazards versus chemical hazards and allergens are actually a chemical hazard which I was like what that didn't make any sense to me because it's you know it's part of food but it's actually a chemical hazard right
1: yeah that always trips me up too um I'm always just like wait is it biological is it because it's like a protein so you're like but um yeah that that was always interesting to me as well
0: it's classified as, as, as a chemical hazard which was like okay cool um, and then there's there's obviously physical hazards too which just so everyone listening is on the same page physical hazards are like shards of glass when you when you're bottling there might be shards of glass or a little bit of tin that might have cut off from a can something like that they could be physical hazards so there's actually metal detectors in large facilities to make sure there's no physical hazards that go out but chemical hazards are a lot harder to uh, to control because again You have to make sure you wipe down all the surfaces like there's no way to sort of, at least for small businesses, to test those things. You just kind of have to make sure that you're doing a good job of wiping things down.
1: Yeah. Bigger companies do have like swab tests, which is honestly the end goal for me. Um, Just knowing that, you know, your product absolutely does like passes those tests Mm. and doesn't contain those food allergens is like a must when you can afford it. Yes. Um, I wish that everybody could afford it. I think mm-hmm. it would save a lot of um, trips to the hospital and, and fear um, about cross-contact, but um, hopefully that's where the food industry is going.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I, I hope things like IFT, right? Like, I mean, we talk about how we can be more innovative and help small businesses. is a great way that, it, you know, help us start to address some of these hazards um, before they become a hazard that's already been in packaged food and gotten out into commerce. Um, but yeah, I I think it's really good to talk to some of our colleagues who are also in um, food production to make sure not only are we applying the, the right controls to make sure things are clean, but also labeling. I, it's, you know, like I think I've seen more than I would like of small businesses that are sort of, you know, packaging food, but not declaring, you know, making those statements. Um, and that's very, very dangerous, I think, you know going forward because someone with a with a severe allergy might come into contact with that food and potentially you know we we have people's lives in our hands it's it's very uh, it's a deep weight um, of responsibility so um, any any thoughts from you in terms of like for for us as small businesses how do we kind of deal with this and how do we do a good job of making sure we're, we're declaring all those things
1: yeah um, I think that One of the things that I was actually going to mention before with the commercial kitchens, it's super important that people take the training on allergen protocols Mm. very seriously. Um, You know, it takes like one person, you know, just clicking through the course or not actually paying attention um, because most of the commercial kitchens do require you to have um, allergen training. And so if you're paying attention, you shouldn't be leaving like nuts in the sink and doing things (laughs) like that um so i think that's a first step to make sure that people are aware that this is actually a very like global problem um that people face uh every time they eat a snack and so um just knowing that that it has a lot of weight um is important and then i think that the programs could go more into detail on food label law i know that a lot of startups have asked me for help in that specific category because I was just in school. Um, mm. So it's like a little fresh in my mind. And I took a food law course. Um, it, it's really hard to read the government regulations online, I will admit. Um, it usually like you read something and you're like, oh, great, we could do this. And then two lines later, it sounds like it contradicts itself and you're like, I need to get help before I like do something wrong. Um, but I think what is important because part of the part of the label um, that people have started seeing like includes this ingredient or contains this ingredient that is actually legally necessary if it's one of those top nine allergens um but if but it's not necessary to have the um produced in a facility statement um From what i remember uh, from class and so um a lot of people don't a lot of people do just for liability sake um some people don't really know which allergens are in the facility so they leave it off it's better to just say like it could come into contact with the common food allergens um when people are reading those labels they'll if they want to eat your food they'll come ask you before they just eat it they're Mm. they're not just going to take a chance and get sick Um, But it is really important that you like know the answers to those questions and if you don't then obviously you're losing a customer you're losing some trust in your business.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. And, you know, I think that if I could leave our listeners with some resources as well, um, be aware that there are food science extensions at uh, some of the major universities from University of North Carolina, uh, Georgia, University of Georgia, I believe UGA has one. Uh, Who else? Anyone in Illinois that you're aware of? Maybe? I don't think so.
1: Um, I know Cornell. Um, Cornell does, yeah. Ohio State also has I obviously I'm biased because I went <laughs> here for grad school, but um, Ohio State has a really good um, commercial kitchen and program mm-hmm. that really helps entrepreneurs um, learn different, d- learn HACCP, learn different um, different pieces of business as well.
0: It's funny. We were connecting with an OSU, and for a while we thought it was Ohio State. It was actually Oregon State. So they also yeah, have, they
1: also have food science. and
0: food science one as <laughs> My well. advisor and, went there. Yeah, and they're they're pretty big as well. And then you've got University of Wisconsin. Uh, I think those are the big the big names in the field. But uh, oh yeah, right of course, uh, t- uh, Texas. I think A uh, and M has one as well, pretty large yes. one. So um wherever you are in the country there should be a food science extension pretty close to you and so far i have found they're incredibly helpful incredibly open to talking to small business because that's their entire you know that's their reason for existence so they they are very good about doing that so if you have any questions about the stuff you know you can reach out to you know friends in the field like us i mean absolutely or you can reach out to those food science extensions but the thing you shouldn't do is just you know guess and go with it because you know the, we are dealing with people's lives here so it is uh, very very important that we give consumers the the, the the information to make the right choices for themselves um amy thanks so much for taking the time i know we're at the uh, at the end of our our 20 minutes it was a very cool discussion about uh, allergens i know we've had this like separately just completely mm-hmm. organically because it's something i think that's that's on my mind as well um but we wish you all the best with bonzo butter thank you for sampling with us um and if you know whoever's listening if you want to taste this garbanzo based bean butter come on to our website we'll have a link to go ahead and uh taste it and then hopefully just buy it that would be awesome yeah
1: Yeah. thank you can i can i leave one last word
0: sure go for it absolutely (laughs)
1: um i just whoever's listening i think it if you can have one takeaway from this is just to be more mindful about um, food in your life and the people that you're surrounded with. Um, So if you're having a wedding, think about those people that have dietary restrictions coming to your wedding that don't just want to eat a piece of lettuce because they had no other option. Um, If you have kids, um, think about there's certain sporting um, sport fields and arenas that have food inclusive options Um, so really it's becoming um, a bigger movement food inclusivity and so I would just say you know be an ally be less ignorant about it um, in society
0: that's awesome that's a great way to end it thank you so much Amy and we'll uh, definitely be in touch and we'll hopefully have you back on as well thank you so much thank you take care (laughs)
1: Hey Carl, bringing that old grill out again? Yeah, but this year's different. Not with that burnt out thing. I got myself the Mega Ultra Grill 3000. It's not about the make and size of the equipment, but what you bring to the barbecue. It's all about flavor this year. I don't get it. No Baby Backs barbecue this summer? No man, you got to check out Nakinoku. They opened me up to a whole world of flavors right to my door. Plus you're not creating waste with small sample sizes. With every meal, it could be something new. Today we're trying Chicago's Honey Barbecue Sauce. Sounds delicious, when can I come over? With Nakinoku, taste and see new flavors whenever you want. No subscription fees and less waste. Small commitments, big flavors.